0: So, if you love the show, please donate. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Little Known Facts. As you know, my love for Broadway Con is the gift that keeps on giving because it truly was like my best summer camp experience that I don't want to end. The people I met, the new friends I've made because of that event, really has stayed with me as one of the most special things I got to take part in this year. And one of the panels that I hosted was with the magnificent Tony Award-winning actress Jane Howdy and the magnificent Tony Award winning actor Reed Burney, who had just completed their run in the Pulitzer Prize winning play, The Humans, when I got to meet up with them on stage at Broadway Con and had the honor and pleasure of hosting a panel with them. And I wanted to share it with all of you because these are two incredible talents that had just really finished uh, a marriage with each other that went on for months and months on this stage, and they both won Tonys for the, their parts, and it was kind of an extraordinary theatrical event. As you can imagine, the turnout for their panel was huge. They are two incredibly beloved Broadway stars. So I thought, here's a little taste of Broadway con for all of you, and specifically my panel with Jane Howdy and Reed Verney. Enjoy.
2: A-OK. A-OK.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the stage in the Marketplace. I am Alana Levine. I am an actress, and I also have a podcast called Little Known Facts, which is titled from a song I sang in a musical on Broadway years ago called You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And the thrill of my podcast is that I get to interview artists I admire, both for their talent and their incredible compassion as human beings. That's my only criteria. They have to be the most talented people on the planet and equally nice. So I've scored in that department twice today, and I'm honored to bring to you two Tony Award-winning actors from the Tony Award winning play, The Humans, which recently closed, so I'm thrilled to have them together on stage again. <laughs> Jane Howdy and Reed Burney. I'm gonna read a few of their credits, only because if I read all of them, the entire half hour would be filled up, so I'm just gonna read a few of their illustrious credits. Jane Howdy Her Broadway credits include The Humans, Fish in the Dark, Romeo and Juliet, Dead Accounts, Follies, The Importance of Being Earnest, Bye Bye Birdie, Wicked, and Well. Reed Bernie's Broadway credits include The Humans, Gemini, Picnic, Casa Valentina, and I just have to add this one, a play I saw off Broadway called I'm Gonna Pray for You So Hard, which still haunts me. He is currently in previews for the new Tracy Let's Play, Man from Nebraska, at second stage. So I want to welcome Jane and Reed.
1: Hi, everybody. Hello.
0: So the thing that has happened to both of these actors simultaneously is they won Tonys for playing husband and wife in this remarkable play. From a show of hands, who here has seen The Humans?,
1: You're my favorite people on the planet.
0: Fantastic. So you know you all get to go home. Half of you go home with Jane and half of you go home with Reed. Is that cool? Or you can switch and decide how you want to do it. So to me, one of the magical um, parts of that play and the humanity of that play is the simplicity of the way that story unfolded. I found it almost like watching a documentary. Did you feel that way as well? to sort of be a fly on the wall in the most intimate of dinners in a very critical moment in this family's life. So the first thing I wanted to ask both of you, and you can do like one, two, three, shoot or whatever for who goes first, is at this point in your career, you are both remarkably wanted on Broadway, and you get a lot of things that come your way. How did you choose to do this part? And what was it about it that attracted you to it?
2: I had the good fortune of being in on an early early workshop of the play as it was still being developed and written. And so because of that early exposure to it, I knew right off the bat that it was a great role and a stunning play and had tremendous potential, and uh, there was no talk of Broadway, of course, at that point, but I knew that if there was a bro- an off-Broadway production, and they wanted me, that I would definitely want to be on board, and luckily it worked out nicely.
0: Was there an early reading of it that you both were in?
1: Um, I I think I'm not making this up when I say that Stephen Caram, the playwright of The Humans, wrote the part for Jane, so that's really how she got involved. That's a good way to get yeah. involved. I, I, I think that's know. true. I'm going to pretend that's true. Let's
0: dial a um, friend and call <laughs> Stephen and ask him to right. verify Tell that. your
1: friends it's true. Yes. Um, uh, similarly, I did a, an early uh, reading workshop of the play uh, with the playwright and um, I just knew that it was a beautiful part, a kind of part that I had never gotten to play before and that was really exciting. Um, and uh, When they asked me a year later to do it um, it was an automatic yes there was no question that I would get to say yes to that
0: had you two worked together before this play
1: no
2: never but in my fantasy I had because I admired Reed Burney as an actor for many many years and he's likewise like one of my top favorite actors of all time so the fact that Reed Bernie was cast in this role was like kind of a, a little dream. bit of heaven for me.
1: Well, and I know you all have seen Jane in a lot of her Broadway and off-Broadway stuff, and it's always astonishing. And I felt the same way. I just she was the complete embodiment of her character in the humans, and so it was. Uh, I have to say, in my long, long, long career. Uh, to get to act across from Jane Shell for 500 performances was uh, something I will never ever forget.
0: And also I mean Jane goes very effortlessly from the musical theater to to straight theater as we call it, although most of us aren't straight who love theater um,
1: <laughs> but they don't let a lot of people do musicals and plays right. there's, a, there's a there's a very uh sort of unspoken demarcation that if you're a musical person, you don't do plays. And a lot of my musical theater friends are frustrated by that. Right. And nobody has ever asked me to do a musical, so I have to think it's true.
0: Well, do you want to sing a little bit of For Good from Wicked right now, sort of as an audition for future replacements for that production? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, kind of at the end, I think we all want to see that. So it's kind of... um, It's a very uh, nail-biting and exciting time when Tony nominations are being announced. There are often great feelings for some people in a cast and less great feelings for other people in the cast. It must have been, aside from the accolades that were bestowed upon the play itself, it must have been an extraordinary thing to both be nominated as husband and wife and to both be able to celebrate fully in the... um, in the praise without feeling like, do I have to hide it because my co-star doesn't have the same news. So can you (laughs) guys talk? Where are you
1: going with this?
0: (laughs) Can you (laughs) talk about, I'm going very simply to the fantasy we all have of being awoken or however you find out that you've just been nominated for a Tony. How did you find out?
2: Uh, I think it was as simple as waking up that morning and, Uh, Going to my computer, and there were a bunch of emails saying, Congratulations. And so it was like that. It was like,
0: not like you've been chosen by Walmart. No. For a lot of.
1: (laughs) Well, a a lot of people, when they're in the running, you know, get up at five o'clock and and watch it in their pajamas with the family gathered around. That didn't happen at our house. Uh, I slept through it because I thought, if I'm not nominated, I'm going to jump out the window. So. I thought, get as much sleep as I can.
0: I feel like that's a very positive reaction to not being nominated.
1: That's right. (laughs) Kids? I've I've not been nominated a lot.
0: (laughs) Well, what's remarkable is I'm sitting on stage with two people who have been theater royalty for decades, to be honest. And the fact that you've been nominated, I mean, there have been nominations before, but... But to have this extraordinary moment is extraordinary. It's
2: extraordinary. It's it really
0: is. It's really that
1: simple. Having it, lost uh, a Tony and won a Tony, it turns out I like winning a Tony better than losing a Tony.
0: By a show of hands, who here would rather win a Tony <laughs> than not win a Tony? Just by a show of hands.
1: It's a nice night. I will tell you that. It's a very nice night.
0: So pre pre Tonys and Drama Desks and Obie's and all the other awards that both of you have won and so deserved, have there been for either of you in, in your past maybe an audition that in retrospect is hilarious at the time was mortifying, yet you still continued on to do it the next day? Can you think of a story to share that might inspire others to keep going even when it feels like doom?
2: Either of you. I had a heads up that this question might be asked. And... (laughs) Never. I don't have an anecdote about it. I don't.
1: I do. I have a bad one. Thank God. Um, (laughs) When I was young, remember all those Dr. Pepper commercials where people were dancing in the streets, I'm a pepper, you're a pepper? Well, I was a young uh, actor. And... I looked kinda cute but I wasn't a musical theater guy and I don't know how this happened but I had an audition for a Dr. Pepper commercial singing and dancing and um, it was like a chorus line and uh, I should have been cut pretty much before I went in the room but the choreographer weirdly I think there was something a little masochistic or sadistic about him, masochistic for me Uh, he wouldn't let me go. And so this went on for about two hours, and he kept letting lots of people go and keeping me there. So I was bumping into people and tripping, and everybody else was doing the whole thing. And uh, I just got redder and redder and redder. And today, I would say, you know what? I'm going to go. Good luck, everybody. But I... I don't know why I didn't. I I guess I thought some miraculous thing would happen, and I would get cast in a Doctor Pepper commercial. I needed the job, so uh, that haunts me to this day. It was uh, as humiliated as I've ever been in a career full of humiliation.
0: I wish you had ended your Tony acceptance speech with, "I'm a pepper. <laughs> I'm,
1: a pepper. <laughs> I'm a pepper,
0: Mama. I'm a pepper." That would have been awesome. Terrible, terrible. That would, I mean, a little inside. Yeah. But like my advice to all of you, who are:
1: how many of you are actors? Are some of you actors? If you're ever in that situation, get out of there. Don't wait.
0: I would love to um, pepper in a few questions from you guys. I have a million for them, but you might as well. So, yes, how- I will repeat the question for the rest of you she played a child in Coraline, and this young lady was asking, how did you so beautifully embody what it would be like to be a child as an adult, without screwing it up and being being cute, cute, with no cutesy?
2: Thank you, first of all. That's a very nice compliment, and that was my hope in accepting the role, that I wouldn't do that obnoxious thing when adults pay children and Make them too Sometimes cute. when
1: children play children, they're cute. Yeah,
2: that's right. <laughs> but I started observing kids in a concentrated way in preparation for the role. And I realized that children are in their bodies so, in a way, unconsciously they haven't gotten self-conscious in a way that we become once adolescence sets in. So there's something actually kind of physically neutral about kids. When they're not doing something, they just go into neutral. Whereas from adolescence on, we're very aware of ourselves and think we have to kind of either hide something or put something out there, or we're busy projecting persona all the time. But children don't have the need to do that. So in a way, children are the opposite of being cute or mean or anything. They just kind of go into neutral. So I kind of base the whole physical element of her on that, And then in terms of the the psychological and emotional part of her, um, I I was all tied up in knots about failing to be childlike that way. And I talked to my director about it, Lisa Silverman, and I told her how scared I was that people weren't going to buy it. And she said, Jane, I cast you in this role because I see you as a nine-year-old girl. (laughs) Higher praise is not You don't have to do anything, yeah.
0: That's amazing. So that
2: was it. That was uh, Coraline.
0: I think there was a question over here. The question is, and we'll, we'll ask if you guys have been to Scranton, the family that stars in The Humans are from Scranton, and as is our, our guest here. And so wondering if the writer or Joe Mantello or anyone in the process talked to you about Scranton. Did you guys go? Did you have a relationship with that town?
1: I wanted to go and never got there. Uh, But it's very, very vivid in my mind. Stephen was there every day in rehearsal, and so he was uh, a a fantastic resource. And um, because he's from Scranton, it it was so easy to learn about it from him.
2: I've been to the Perkins in Scranton numerous times, and that's it for my experience. But it's very nice Perkins.
0: I wanted to ask you guys, because as I said, the heightened naturalism that appeared on stage when I saw this play was really breathtaking, and I wondered during the rehearsal process if, and and Joe Mantello is an extraordinary director, did you guys improvise at all during the rehearsal process, or could you talk a little bit about rehearsing this play and how it became what we got to see?
1: Well, our director, Joe Mantello, was very diligent about not letting us act anytime we wanted to act he said stop it don't do that just listen or just be um there's a moment in the play where the our daughters are upstairs having a conversation and i'm at the bottom of the spiral staircase listening to their overhearing it and i in rehearsal was doing this And he said don't do that just listen you don't need to show us you're listening and it was like that all the way through he had such a fine sense of any time we slipped over into schmacting, and uh, it's hard to it's hard as an actor to trust that you can just be on stage and not indicate everything it's very hard but when you when you get it it's thrilling
2: Uh, I'd just like to address your question about improvisation. The remarkable thing about the way the humans is written, Stephen's writing of the play was so specific and demanding of us in terms of learning it correctly as it's written on the page, all the pauses, all the overlaps, all the ellipses, all of that's very purposeful on the part of the playwright. So, absolutely nothing we did in that play was improvisational. But the trick was it had to appear so. So, in a way, it was kind of like playing jazz music, uh, but it was all written. The chart was all there, the score was entirely there. And uh, the trick was learning it. <laughs> it was really difficult to learn, but once we learned it, it was thrilling to execute, but nothing was improvisational.
0: So this is a question actors in plays get asked a lot, and everyone has different methods of preparation. I know for me, when I've had an emotional scene that I have to repeat, I found certain pieces of music, if I listened to them before going on stage, would feed me, and then when falsettos stopped working, I would choose you know, a Sondheim soundtrack to sort of get me in the the spirit of the scene I was about to enter. Once you guys went on stage, you, I mean, you don't get to leave. You don't get to really go off and, and find ways to um, inspire the mood or the tone. Were there any special things you found that you did before you went on that sort of helped center you and get ready for the roller coaster of the evening ahead of
2: you? I did nothing special. We Did goof- you eat
0: anything special? Was there a special food? No. Dinner?
1: We, we all goofed off pretty much until places were called. This is very
0: good advice. Write this down. <laughs> goof off.
1: Goof off until, until places, places are called. called. The great thing about the humans is that it was written so beautifully that if you just let the play take you on the ride, it took you absolutely everywhere you needed to be.
2: I think it was really clear to all of us that what we needed most before we went on stage was to be relaxed and not turn it into uh, some sort of special event because as Reed said, from the first moment when the lights came up, it was like getting on a roller coaster once you're locked into that car, you're on the ride and there's no getting out. But it's, it's, not, it's not a voluntary thing. You're just on the ride. And there's no way to prepare for that. So.
0: so when you have to say goodbye to these extraordinary parts, and Reed was on my podcast and one of the things he said was, I don't know what I'm going to get to do a part like this part again. It had all of the aspects that um, an actor dreams of, pathos and levity and incredible writing and incredible cast and a journey and a surprise for the audience, Um, a subtle surprise that really gutted gutted its members. How do you say goodbye to something that was so special? And how have you mourned it or moved on? One of the things
1: about what we do is that uh, it's all about, because it's live theater, it's made out of air, and it comes and it goes, and that's been our life for as long as we've been actors. These plays come and they go, and um, sometimes they're with you for a couple of weeks, and and we got lucky with the humans, we got to do it for 15 months. Um, The very saying goodbye is such a huge part of what we do. Uh, I think we're all still struggling, but, It's time to go on to the next thing and um, learn something new. I'm doing this play at Second Stage now, this Tracy Let's Play. It was very good for me to have a new part uh, and a new piece of marble to work on. Um, It doesn't mean I don't miss the humans desperately. uh, But it's important to keep doing new things. It just is part of the job.
2: I'm still very sad about having said goodbye to the humans, but I, I agree with Reed. It's, it's just the nature of the business. It's an ephemeral thing, and it's one of the things that makes theater so beautiful, like the life of a butterfly. It doesn't last that long, but while it's around, boys, it's special. And... Um, to have been able to do the humans for 500 performances was the thrill of a lifetime. And I'll always have that thrill and the memory of that thrill, and I'm very
1: grateful for it. And, um, and the fact that you guys saw it was this communion that we have with each other. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you realize as audience members how important your job is. If you're not watching the play, then it's just a rehearsal. It doesn't become a play until you come there, and it's the communion that we all get to share that makes it, you guys were witnesses, and um, you're very important to us, and uh, we get to live the rest of our lives having had this experience together. Not everybody saw the humans. They, don't, they weren't there. We were there, and uh, it's, it's a very beautiful thing. There's
0: an E.E. Cummings poem that I'm sure you're all familiar with it, but but the takeaway for me has always been I carry you in my heart. And I carry both of you deeply in my heart. I carry that play and those performances. It was hard for me to say goodbye to as just an audience member, but it really does live inside of me. I think about it a lot. Um, I feel grateful that I have my family uh, it really, it really, we all went together and it really allowed us to talk a lot about the dynamics. And it was a very um, liberating experience in the end. So I just want to say thank you to my magnificent, talented, beautiful panelists, Reed and Jane. What an honor to get to speak with you both today and Lovely to be on to be stage on. With, you. with you.
2: Thank you so much.
0: And to all of you at Broadway Con, how incredible is it to be with Reed and Jane right now? This Woo! is ridiculous! Woo! Thank you for being here. See you later. Bye. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So, there you go. These
1: are Little Known Facts that now. You know.
0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast